You can work from anywhere. As long as you're getting your work done, it doesn't matter to us without really realizing the consequences of that statement. Now, whether the intent was, oh, you could truly work anywhere as in remote or within the US, I think is where there's been kind of lack of clarity and companies needing to step back. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, let's face it. One of the big things that slows a small business down is an inability to manage tasks. I can give you a book's worth of uh, trial and error that we've had at Jumpstart over the years with trying to launch initiatives, track steps, and just keep all of our client projects together in one place. But that's why I'm excited to share with you uh, information about our partner, monday.com. It's a project management tool that we use ourselves. So we've learned that it's got really awesome automation. Uh, You can do collaboration with clients. You can keep files in one place. And it syncs really well with some of the tools that we love and use all the time. For example, Slack. So for a limited time, if you use our promo code, which can be found in the show notes, you'll be able to take advantage of a free version of Monday forever. Now there is a paid plan and when you do purchase a paid plan, you do support our show. But when you grab Monday, you'll be able to access the tools that companies such as Coca-Cola, Hulu, EA, and Universal use on a daily basis to get stuff done. So if you want to help grow your business, you want to help improve the communication amongst your team, and you want to get more stuff done, consider trying monday.com. So our promo code for you listeners is actually www.try.monday.com slash www. Again, that's try.monday.com slash www. All right, let's get into the show. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of While We Were Working. It's the show that helps you become a better leader of your small business or small team. I'm Joy Price, one of the hosts here at While We Were Working, and I'm a founder of Jumpstart HR. And as always, I'm joined with my awesome co-host, Summer Keychon, who's our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. Summer, how's it going? Hey, Joey. It's another wonderful day out here. I cannot believe that it's almost the end of February. I mean, the days, the weeks, the months, they're flying by, but I have nothing to complain about and excited for to today's show. How are things going out over there for you? Oh man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel like I just took a beat and it was October, November. And now here we are heading into spring, which I can't wait and I'm excited for because it'll finally warm up. Uh, So I'm doing good. And uh, for those of you that are tuning in, we've got a great show for you today. We are going to talk about two critically important aspects of running your business that 
are uh, changing and that you need to know. So the first one, we're going to talk about the great state of California and something happened with their arbitration clause. And I always, always, always want to preface this by saying, hey, it's California, but don't tune out because usually the way California works is California makes the change and then the nation follows. So uh, it likely is coming to your doorstep. So you want to pay attention soon. And then the other aspect is what do you do if an employee goes out of the country for a medical procedure and they're not ready to come back? So we're going to tackle that in our consultant's corner. Uh, but for the first segment of while we were working, let's go ahead and set up this article. So Summer, can you go ahead and share more about this article from J.D. Supra? California's at it again. Uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals struck down California's law that was changed not that long ago, outlawing mandatory arbitration agreements. So now what that means is if you have employees in California and you made a change, uh, making those arbitration agreements optional, you can now look at making that change back. All right, so let's let's set the table. So there's someone listening who's like, I've heard of arbitration, but I've never really needed to do a deep dive onto what it's all about. Uh, so an arbitration agreement, it's, it's a clause in a contract, in, in this case, an employment contract, uh, where you agree to settle your, your issues, your concerns, your grievances out of court, as opposed to uh, lawyering up and uh, going to trial. Um, so there are many implications that, that this can play out, but I wanted us to have a uh, starting point where we both and we all knew, you know, well, what the heck is arbitration clause? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a great question. And when I think about the employee orientations that I've done where employees in California have been presented with an arbitration agreement and it does have a handful of legal language in it and they're, you know, they're a little intimidated. They're not quite certain what it means. I provide to them the same explanation that you did, Joey, and that it's really just saying that if an employee has claims against a company that they're agreeing to meet with a neutral arbitrator uh, to hear the merits of each side of the claim and come to an agreement using the arbitrator versus going to trial. And so I think that kind of begs the next question as to, you know, are arbitration agreements good or bad for companies? I feel like that could be a whole episode in itself okay. uh, because there's an argument for both sides. But I, I would say maybe I'll, I'll lead into this with uh, one of the the good reasons on why why those uh, companies advocate for arbitration agreements is because it's gen it's generally faster and less expensive to go through the arbitration process versus a lengthy and expensive trial. Yeah, I'd agree. And you know, arbitration. One of the big myths about arbitration is that you can only bring issues from one side to arbitration. And so I think that's the part where uh, it gets a bad rep from an employer standpoint of like, well, it only favors the employer. But uh, honestly, you know, whether there's a grievance on the employee side or a grievance on the employer side, 
both parties can move towards arbitration and look for that fast, quick settlement of their dispute uh, outside of the court. So yes, you, you said it. This could be a whole show dedicated to the pros, cons, myths of arbitration. But arbitration is a tool for both parties to use or, or both sides to use. Yeah, when I think about the, if you were to, if you were to say, I guess, uh, the negatives around an arbitration agreement, it, it makes me think about some of the reasons why there was this big push to outlaw them to begin with. And, you know, we, we don't have time to go into that long story, but in short, there was a concern that companies who were, let's just say, having significant issues that were resulting in lawsuits, such as not following the law, maybe uh, had history of harassment and discrimination, that they were essentially using these arbitration agreements as a means to somewhat protect their bad behavior because they knew that they wouldn't land in court and have to go to trial. So, you know, that's kind of the backstory on on why the there was this big push to get them removed but what i was seeing actually in like the execution of how this played out in employers is that they actually still existed and that companies were actually quite good at having employees sign them they just could no longer make them mandatory one thing that i saw in the article that is sort of a caveat to this um so arbitration, obviously, if we're putting it in the employment contracts as as mandatory, it can go for all manner of thing. It could be, you know, allegation of theft. It could be allegation of toxic workplace, uh, harassment, bullying, fraud, whatever you, whatever uh, the case may be. Um, however, I, I, did you notice at the end of the article it, it leaked that information about? the federal law about ending uh, forced arbitration for sexual harassment claims. Did you see that piece? Tell me more about that. Yeah. So in the article, in the show, the article will be in the show notes. It mentions something that says, in addition, there have been efforts in Congress to limit the scope of FAA preemption or to ban mandatory pre-disputed arbitration agreements. One such effort resulted in the Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act of 2021. And we know that the wheels of the legal landscape move slow, but it actually just was uh, enacted. Uh, I did my research uh, February 10th, 2022. So uh, there is a big pie of uh, things that can go to arbitration with now in your employer agreement, but claims of sexual harassment and sexual abuse uh, are not in that piece. Those absolutely can, can go to trial. And that's thanks to the federal federal landscape that uh, that we have here. Yeah, that that's a good call out, Joyce. I appreciate you mentioning that. And when uh, you know we're we're thinking about arbitration agreements and employees who may be required to now sign them as a condition of their employment, have you ever had an employee who has said, you know, as as part of their offer? I'm not, I'm just not signing this. I, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not signing it. And if so, I'm curious to know what your experience has been because in California, that's actually happened a couple of times and the outcome's generally not good. 
Yeah, I, I have actually had that happen um, here in Maryland, actually. Um, having the arbitration in a um, handbook or an offer letter, it, it's it's good for the employer to do that because it, it broaches the conversation up front. Quite frankly, I think that any employer that does have a clause of arbitration should be discussing that either in the uh, onboarding process or even maybe in uh, when the offer is extended um, because it is a point of contention. So um, in the times when prospects were offered employment, uh, there had to be some negotiation, some explanation of like, well, hey, here's why we do it. And similar to your point, it makes you know disagreements settle faster. Uh, so there have been times where employees have signed but there have been times where employees have pushed back and said, no, thanks. I want to retain my rights to, uh, to counsel. And uh, it's really a, a more savvy uh, person who says, who even like broaches that topic in the first place, because I think um, sometimes employees don't read the fine print or the quote unquote boilerplate of uh, employee handbooks and contracts. Uh, but this is something that if, if it's top of mind to an individual, they're going to want to have a conversation about. Agreed. And and I think in regards to the next action to take, it would be really to look at whether, number one, uh, you uh, are in a state where uh, you are utilizing arbitration agreements and whether they are or are not permitted. If you have California employees and you had wanted to make the arbitration agreements, a condition of employment, but you recently made the change for it to be voluntary, that can now be changed back. And as Joey mentioned, I find that best practice is actually uh, just mentioning it in the offer letter, indicating that signing, signing the arbitration agreement is a condition of employment. So you're setting that expectation upfront that you will need to sign this um, and that if you choose not to sign it, you might not work here. Yeah. So maybe in another episode, we'll actually tackle the severance agreement because I think of arbitration and uh, severance, not necessarily in the same boat, but those are mm -hmm. two big legal topics that uh, employees don't always understand. And even managers or employers don't always understand the purpose and, and utilization of them. So uh, I think in an upcoming episode, we should tackle that next. But this has been a great, a great conversation about uh, arbitration. Is there anything else you want to share? No, I think I think that was good. And, and we have another great segment of our show coming up. So I think we're ready to shift gears. OK. All right. Um, so speaking of shifting gears, when you're wearing a lot of hats in your business, whether you are a manager or an owner or just a team player, that's, you know, really all in. Part of shifting gears and shifting hats that is tough is not remembering where you picked up or where you dropped off your last project. Uh, you could be working on a collaborative assignment. You could have uh, a group project. And uh, one of the things that's missing in our communication these days is tracking projects effectively and managing projects effectively. So we found that we had a issue with uh, making sure handoffs were appropriate and that we had all the right resources in the right place, kicking off clients with the same information all the time. And so we went with monday.com as our tool to help get us organized. 
and it's been working out great. Um, all of our clients, when they start, we have specific folders that we include all the time. Uh, when we have long-term goals for the year, we track them in a big board on Monday. And uh, even for some of the like side projects that, that uh, piqued my interest, uh, we track those on a board so that we can be accountable to goals. Um, and I want to offer you the same benefit. So Monday is a partner of ours. They uh, support us financially when you purchase through our link. So love for you to check out a free trial of Monday.com by using our link. And that is try.monday.com slash www. That's four W's again, try.monday.com slash www. All right. So let's jump into consultants corner. I'll go ahead and set it up. Consultants corner is our uh, views from the trenches. It's where we give you the good, bad, the ugly uh, lessons learned. And quite frankly, we, we answer your questions. If you have uh, ever wanted to talk to an HR pro about a topic of interest to you, reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com and we'll get your question on the air and we'll answer it. So this question uh, comes from a letter that we got and it says, uh, an employee goes to another country for a medical procedure. They stay there to work remotely, but the employer wants them to come back. What do you do in this situation? So Summer, let's say it's winter time and uh, an employee says, you know, I really love skiing. So I'm going to go to the Swiss Alps and I'm going to get a, I don't know, foot surgery. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and while I'm healing, I just want to be around ski culture. Um, and, and working remotely. What are some next steps that the employer should do if they want the employee to come back? Questions, questions, Joey. I have so many questions. <laughs> and in this situation, I think the first thing to sort out, and I don't know that we necessarily know this um, in detail, so we'll have to make a couple of assumptions. But first, is this a remote worker or is it an on-site worker? Because we'll just have to assume that they're a remote worker in this situation. Uh -huh. And um, I think the second question we have to ask is, uh, is this individual violating any visa laws? Because it's one thing if you get a visa to go to another country for tourism, but it's another thing if you're going there to perform work. And what I've found in doing some research of a couple of actual situations that we've encountered throughout our consulting is that countries have a wide variety of rules about what's permitted if you're coming in on a visitor visa and if you're permitted to work and for what length of time. So there's just so much to research in regards to like, it's okay to go there to visit, but if you have somebody that's going to be performing work, there's a whole host of other things that you need to understand uh, to see if the worker and or the company uh, by default is violating uh, any laws. You know, Summer, when I started this business 12 years ago, uh, it was totally remote at the time, but I can't imagine that I ever saw a world where I would have to face this issue of someone <laughs> going overseas, getting a medical procedure, and then not wanting to come back or, you know, wanting to stay there longer for whatever reason. Maybe it's rehab or they kind of like their environment, they like the cost of living, whatever the case may be. I never thought that I would have that struggle, but 
with COVID and if you are on social media for any length of time or reading these business blogs at any length of time, you're seeing that more and more places are advertising, come work overseas, come work here. The cost of living is cheaper. Your dollar goes longer. And I've got to imagine that that's very enticing to employer employees out there who to, to the point of this, of this, this letter may say, Hey, well, my employer doesn't check in with me anyway about where I'm working. Uh, I can always just like throw up a fake background and pretend I'm, I'm not somewhere tropical, right? So it truly is kind of um, an alarming, an alarming topic that more people should be paying attention to because this could be happening all the time, and you just you just don't know it because you're not taking a pulse on your on your employees. So, you know, I think that it's important. First of all, another another assumption that we we have to make is that uh, the employee requested time off and they requested to be able to travel in the first place. Because if you just got a letter saying or just requesting, hey, I'm going to be out for three days or I'm going to be out for two weeks for this surgery, maybe a process um, that you should do as an employer is maybe ask just a simple question of, hey, is that going to be in-state or out-of-state? Or is it going to be in-country, out-of-country? Just so that your wheels can be spinning about what type of protections you need to put in place to guard your uh, to guard your firm and your employee. I know I'm like rabbit trailing, but this is all, it all, it all makes sense. So for example, Summer, let's say, let's say this, this person gave a letter and said, hey, I want to take time off. I need a procedure. There's a world-renowned doctor who does this procedure uh, in Ukraine, okay, right? But what if that person gets approval, they fly, they get this treatment, but then it's a situation where the U.S. says all, uh, you know, um, U.S. citizens should evacuate, right? Now we're getting into an issue that could compound more and more, and so... I don't say this to to do the like James Cameron, Michael Bay, worst case scenario or worst case movie that could play out in your head, but it's really about making sure your company is aware of the parameters of the person uh, taking their leave and making sure that you're guarding against worst case scenarios because there's a different worst case scenario if the person's getting a procedure in town and then there's a different worst case scenario if the individual is, you know, across the ocean. Um, so truly, 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 if if this wasn't on your radar, I really do think you should take a look at your your sick policies and the way that you communicate with your employees uh, about taking that time off. I totally agree. And where I've seen this come to light uh, is most recent because we do have more workers working totally remote. And it's not uncommon for somebody to go into another country for a medical procedure, but I think what's what's becoming like new and different is mixing uh, the travel with work. So if they were just mm-hmm. going there, taking a leave of absence, and they were not performing any work, that's one issue, or that's one you know kind of that's one situation handle. But because you may now have individuals going to another country, maybe they want to work before, maybe they want to work after. Maybe they want to work for like on an intermittent leave. So now you have this work being performed in another country. I think that's where things start to get 
insanely complicated because what I'm finding employers needing to backtrack on in some cases is that they came they came out excited to offer remote work as a benefit. You can work from anywhere as long as you're getting your work done. It doesn't matter to us without really realizing the consequences of that statement. Now, whether the intent was, oh, you could truly work anywhere as in remote or within the US, I think is where there's been kind of lack of clarity and companies needing to step back. And so that's where, from a consulting standpoint, you know, I'm always asking, well, does your company have a remote working or relocation policy? And if you haven't, now's the time because that's where you can very clearly set expectations around things such as if you want to work from another state for, say, for example, less than 30 days, that's generally approved so long as your manager is aware and that that will work. But if you're going to be staying for longer 30 days, we need to have a different conversation because it may trigger that you're you know, now requiring the company to register for tax and business and compliance reasons. And the worker may be obligated to pay taxes in that work state as well. So I think having a policy helps manage expectations and also you know, enforce the situations where you have to say, I'm really sorry, but we we aren't able to approve that. And you know, in the scenario that was presented about a remote employee uh, wants to stay in another country, you know, what we do in that situation is dependent on, you know, are they violating any visa laws? Are they going to require a sponsorship? Do you have other international employees that are similarly situated? And if we're talking about an employee who sounds like they might potentially have ongoing procedures, even if you want that employee to come back, I do think that it warrants having the conversation we've brought up before, Joey, about the interactive process for the consideration of, you know, potentially an accommodation. And I think that a company that has allowed a remote worker to work within the U.S., may have a very difficult time in some instances because there's like a wide variation, but I think they may have a hard time if their employee like wants and needs to stay in the other country longer to complete treatment. treatment, I think the employer would be in a hard position to say no because if we think about ADA accommodations, right, the employer, if they deny it, essentially has to prove that it would be a hardship in doing so. And if there's really no additional costs or loss of business, um, negative impact, uh, how like, it's going to be a hard argument to say no. Yeah, I agree. And, and this is why, you know, um, this is why we do the show while we were working, because these are topics that you know, this isn't covered in, in manager training. This isn't covered in on-the-job training of being a, a, a supervising people. And so you surely don't want to trust your gut in Google on a situation like this. Uh, you definitely want to consult with uh, professionals who are in this world every day. And so, you know, um, surely that is a HR consulting team like Jumpstart who is uh, able to give you a holistic view to this. Um, and then also, quite frankly, 
Uh, if you feel it's 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 way over your head and, and you need an extra guiding touch, you know, perhaps an immigration attorney who can advise you on matters like this. So we share these topics to to give you a, a um, insight on the fact that you're not alone in in going up against these things. And even if you don't face them every single day of the week or every month of the year, you may come across the need to address a topic like this. And so we're the the firm that'll help you. I don't have any other things to add to this. I just would definitely impress upon our listeners here that this isn't just a um, health issue. Uh, it is a tax issue uh, for you, the employer, and, and also the employee. Um, so there could be a, a means to get accounting involved. But also, quite frankly, it could become a, um, a cybersecurity concern as well. Because if you've got colleagues working abroad, you know, making the intentional decision to work overseas um what 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 happens if if a laptop is stolen or if um you know they they run out of of um if their computer malfunctions or they're at a coffee shop and and someone's stealing their uh their their keystrokes or or whatever the case may be um so again not to scare you but to help you plan for the best path to get a, a good solution for all parties involved. Wow, we we've hit we've hit a uh, uh, our time, uh, but I feel like we could go longer. But in the interest of giving you time to jump back into into work, uh, I think we should land the plane here. Uh, so, if you haven't tried out Monday, uh, be sure to use our code. That's try.monday.com/slash/www. And uh, if you need help on an HR topic that we might have covered in the show or that we didn't, reach out to us at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact. And we'd be happy to schedule a 15-minute call with you to learn more about what your needs are and how we can help. So until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Got more questions? Then make sure you check out whilewewereworking.com for more tips and resources. Or shoot us a message on social media. See you next week.